Hello and welcome to Two Old Guys on the Back Porch. I am Steve Scotch. And as always, we have the lovely and talented Cat. That's C-A-T, mixing up the medicine. Cat, what's happening? Hey, how y'all doing? Weekly fan of Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And if you really like our show, you need to hit that subscribe button and get our show every week. Um, we can also be found on Facebook, Instagram. Give us a follow. Our two towns are shutting out this week. One is Appleton, Wisconsin, home of the uh, Fox River Valley, considered one of the best places to live in Wisconsin. Our other hometown is Baldwin, Michigan. It's uh, known for its specialty fishing lure and equipment shops. And it's also uh, usually the host of the Tratorama Festival. Giving y'all a big cheer. All right, alcohol. It's just something we sip out here on the back porch, usually to help us loosen up, but it's cold out here today. <laughs> it's uh, You'll never hear me complain about it being too cold. I'll take cold over hot, but uh, it's a little brisk out here. We're bundled up, and we're going to man through it and woman through it. Uh, today... I'm back on the Manhattans. It's just—it's been my 2022 drink of the year, and I can't get away from it. Cat, what you got? I'm rocking me uh, some seasonal cranberry flavored uh, dragonfly with the Canada Dry seasonal cranberry ginger ale. Sounds sweet like you, man. Thanks, doll. All right, today we're gonna do something a little unusual. We don't usually just. N- pinpoint some little thing on television or the radio or whatever and yak about it but we're going to do a podcast today about Bruce Springsteen Bruce on the Howard Stern show Bruce it's just favorite watched, son of New Jersey I watched it on HBO they've been replaying it over and over several times and I just I, it, it, I felt compelled to talk about it I mean, he's compelled first of all I'm I'm not a big, huge Springsteen fan. Right. Uh, I'm a fan, but not a fanatic. I, I think he has so many. Bruce Springsteen has so many great songs that a lot of people have never heard. And that is a shame. I mean, I, I heard a lot of Bruce's music growing up. My brother bought every album. I miss my brother. Uh, we get in the car. He had all the cassettes, you know, Greetings from Asbury Park, The Wild, The Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle, Born to Run, The River. The River, that's when I really started kind of listening to him. It's a double album that, that's got a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of great songs on it. Of course, later on, it was born in the USA and, you know, Nebraska, many, many more. But, but but there's a song on the river called Stolen Car. And it was, it was somewhere, sometime, I heard 
Patty Griffin, who's also a great artist. Patty Griffin, check her out. She's awesome. She was doing a version of Bruce's stolen car. And I was freaking mesmerized. I mean, it's like three minutes and 58 seconds of freaking genius. Now, when this podcast fades away, whenever years down the road, just remember one thing that I keep repeating on here, and that's listen to the words. Okay, Bruce Springsteen has written just so, just some of the greatest songs of our lifetime. I mean, he, he has. So here we go. Bruce was on the Howard Stern show, and somebody was smart enough to film it. Okay, and right. it's freaking awesome. Again, I mean, if you turn back the dial to the 1980s, say, Stern was the king of media in New York City, and Bruce was the king of New Jersey, really. Mm-hmm. Kind of a meeting of the tri-state I don't, I don't, minds. I'm sure he's been on there before. Right. I, I don't... I noticed throughout the thing, because I can't remember if it's like an hour or two hours, he said it two or three times. He, he, he apologized to Bruce. Right. You know, I'm sorry about the past. I'm sorry about this. He would say it real quick, and Bruce just blew it off like, whatever, dude. It's, who cares? So I don't know what he kept apologizing for, <laughs> but but Howard Stern, you know, I don't know about this guy. He said and done a lot of dodgy shit, okay, in his lifetime. He was out here on the radio for maybe five seconds here in Virginia, right? And then he got yanked. Um, I mean, up there he was everywhere. He's the king. He was the king, and I don't know some of the <coughs> shock, stuff he shock. did was to keep people listening, and then. Know. Maybe over the years he's matured and where he goes, man, I was really a jerk then. Yeah, well, you know, you get older and smarter, I hope. Right. But evidently he had said some stuff about Springsteen. I'm sure he did, and that's what he kept, you know, not kept, but he did it a couple of times apologizing. But whatever, whether you like Howard or not, I guess he's still on the radio up there every day. I have no he's idea. On, he's on serious every day. Okay. He's getting a serious, he's getting right. a serious check. Serious bucks. But... I tell you what, he, he did he did a great job of asking so many good questions and just making the interview just flow. Of course, that's what Howard Stern's been doing his whole right. life. So, you know. He, yeah, he's he, also been a provocateur at one point. Mm-hmm. But Bruce, he, he did, he had his two Takamami acoustics and he had a piano there. And he, he did little snippets of his song on the piano or on the acoustic. And then he told, like, stories of his upbringing. You know, his, his dad was not into his music, you know. Right. His dad didn't back him. His dad was a big fan of hanging out at the, uh, the local bar. <laughs> I think Bruce told some stories of having to, like, go get his dad right. and bring him home. So he... He saw some pretty brutal stuff. And then his parents uprooted to Cali, but Bruce stayed in Jersey, you know, sleeping on friends' couches and, and chasing the dream. So th- I always like listening to bands or artists or whatever when they're first getting started, the grind, what they did, right. all that. And I'm sitting here listening to Bruce Springsteen, okay, <laughs> who's, who's been the man forever. And it was just so cool to hear him 
you know, talk about playing pizza parlors and bowling alleys <laughs> and, you know, the dude was so open and so humble. There was one story he told about one of his old bandmates, and he didn't mention his name, but he said the man uh, that, that was, it was in one of his early bands here in Virginia was, was dying of cancer, and he, he came, we're in Virginia, I think some of y'all might know that, but he came here and visited him before he passed away. So I did a little digging around, and I'm pretty sure it was Robin Thompson. Right. Now, Robin Thompson, back in our day, he was kind of a big name around here. Right. And Bruce and him were in a band called Steel Mill, which I know all you Springsteen fans know all, all about that. And they played a lot of shows in this well, area. Well, I told in you, one lo- of their local dumps. One of their first shows was just down the road here at Randolph Macon College. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Like out of nowhere, I'm watching this, and he, he throws that in there, and it was right. like a little local flavor for us. Um, and, and then he talked about his relationship with Patty. Now they are married with, I think, three kids now, but they've been playing music together forever for years and they've always had you know there's been some kind of relationship right going on between them for many years i'm sure but it it took him a long time and i believe a lot of therapy for him to sit down and settle down and commit to a family and he was very open about it um and you think about it this man's been living out of a suitcase pretty much his entire life. Right. And now Patty says, hey, house, kids, dogs. And he did it. <laughs> now Bruce is our, he's, I think he's 73 now, right. I think. Which, you know, how patient was she? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> now, Howard Stern asked him about whether or not the kids came to his shows. Right. And Bruce said, no kid wants to hear thousands of people cheering for their parents. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty cool response. So if you don't have HBO, I don't know where you can find this thing. You can thing. probably watch it on HBO Max if you have one of those accounts. Okay, watch it. Again, Bruce Springsteen fan or not, I don't care. Uh, Howard asked him about new artists coming up, not really getting a chance to grow like he did. No, there's no, you know, what is it, R&D or whatever they call it, where you just try and develop an artist. I mean, there's people that you hear of that maybe have one or two songs and then you never see them again. It's on MTV all the time. I don't know. It's because, you know, they've been discovered off of, YouTube or whatever, and they're just not put into the grind or right. or just been grist for the mill. I mean, Bruce's first two albums with Columbia, they, they were good, but there was no big record sales. You, you know, if, if he was in the game today, he probably wouldn't get a third. Right, but, but see, some of these cats are wired, and they'll tell you this, they would do it if they were still playing in front of 100 people. That's right. the only thing they know how to do. That's what they're going to do. But 
what I was saying was his first two albums with Columbia, they didn't do much. And then Born to Run hit, and, and that did blow up, and, and he blew up. And look, Bruce Springsteen, he, he put in the work. Yeah, okay? he, I mean. He, he can fill out, what, a 30, 40, 50,000 seat arena any night of the week that he wants to. And that's what made this appearance on the Howard Stern Show. It was so eye-popping. He was just sitting there talking like he was your neighbor. And y'all were just right. sitting I mean, out in the backyard talking about the weather. There's another great podcast he did with Barack Obama on, oh, yeah. uh, I want to say Spotify. And it, it, they're just sitting there talking like bros, you know. And Barack maybe be a few years younger than him, but, you know, yeah. just hanging out talking. I mean, I didn't. there was no ego, no arrogance. It was just Bruce... Just sitting there being Bruce. Again, dude is 73 years old. 73. And, and he he will not lay down. No, I, I mean, mean. He doesn't know how to stop. I think he's doing a like a cover album now. A bunch of songs that he likes. Right. Whatever. I mean. And he's not a bad singer. No. Uh-uh. All those years on those vocal cords, you know. He's no Harry Connick Jr., but the dude can can get it out there. I mean, Bruce Springsteen, come on. Whether you know his music or not, dig into it a little bit. Okay, this guy's an, a living American treasure. And we, we don't have many of those left. Not really. Okay? And again, if you've never dug into his music, do yourself a favor. Okay, Bruce, he is the man, the myth, and the legend. All right, we're going to roll right into one tough son of a bitch. All right, this is, this is a good one here. It's Colonel Harlan Sanders, born in 1890 from Henryville, Indiana. Now, we all know Colonel Sanders for founding what? Kentucky Fried Chicken. KFC. He was actually commissioned or recommissioned as a actual Kentucky colonel. Right. I mean, <laughs> he, he was, was in the military, but the the colonel part was honorary. Yeah. The, the governor of Kentucky did it in like the 50s or something. All right. Colonel Sanders, he grew up in a four-room house. Dad died when he was young. Mom had to go to work. So he stayed home and took care of his brothers and sisters. Now, at age 12, he quit school, had a bunch of jobs along the way. But then it was 1930 in North Corbin, Kentucky. He began selling, like, ham biscuits, steaks, and, of course, fried chicken. I think it was like a, it was a gas station was a gas slash station. restaurant or something or whatever. Well... What the colonel figured out was it was taking too long to pan fry the chicken. The people had to sit there for, what, like 30, 35 minutes while he was cooking it. So he came up with this. It was like a pressure fryer that he came up with that cut down on the cooking time without sacrificing the taste, I guess. Right. And the colonel was all about the secret recipe okay (laughs) which is like herbs and spices right right now he made tons of money franchising 
Do you know where his first franchise was? Where? Utah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wonder how that went down. Kentucky. But here's the kicker. He sold Kentucky Fried Chicken, I think, the year I was born, 1964? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For $2 million. Now, you go, are you kidding? He got screwed. Yeah. But he did not get screwed. Okay, this guy was no dummy. And again, it was 1964. Two milli back then was a good chunk of change. But he retained control of all the, the operations in Canada. And he was all, always a salaried ambassador for Kentucky Fried Chicken. He always got a right. check. Hey, coming, now, out, check, coming up, open a new one. <laughs> check this out now. In his later years, he became very critical of the food served at the Kentucky Fried Restaurant restaurants. He thought the owners were cutting cost and, and the quality of food had gone down. Right. So he would randomly stop in a KFC. This is around like in the 70s. And he would sit down. This is Colonel Sanders now just sneaking going into a KFC. Picture it now. And order the food. And, and if it sucked... They said he'd take the whole thing and shove it right off the table. Just just shuck it right into the floor. Look, if you like Kentucky Fried Chicken, go for it. We, we haven't ate it in years. The wife, no, he loved no, it. No, no, no. Here's, here's the one thing. If you own a franchise, the one guy, now we had one here at Short, uh, just down the road in Short Palm, but it, it's, it's gone away. But the one key employee there and there is the guy who fries the chicken in the back. Every time I would go in there, there would be different employees, but the same guy was always frying the chicken in the back. <laughs> that is your main core person well, pushing out that chicken. Well, here's how KFC goes around here now. I work with a bunch of construction dudes, and so you go out there and get what you can get. They won't even go in there anymore, okay? And we still got a <laughs> handful that, of them out brands? there. They just, the thing went down the tubes. Right. I mean, the wife, he would bring in it here like, like, Every couple months on a Friday, we usually do takeout or whatever. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Like, get this crap out of here. I mean, hell, the, the KFC up here by us is now a marijuana store. It's a dispensary <laughs> now. Am I right? It's, you're correct. Okay. Now, the colonel lived to be 90, oh, he 90 could, oh, years old. Thing. He could cuss like a sailor, supposedly. Yep. And guess what? He was buried in that white suit with, oh, that, with that black western tie. Buried in it. And he made lots of charitable donations to children's hospitals all through Canada. Just a great cat. And that makes Colonel Sanders one tough son of a bitch. Are we watching something? We're watching again. And this one, (coughs) I watched it so you don't have to. It's called Barmageddon. It's Blake Shelton and Carson daily at the old red bar in nashville there with nikki bella from wwe helping to host and the whole thing is i mean old red bar is like this bar that's owned by the ryman hospitality in other words grand Ole opry people and they're on there and their bar games and, and internet viral guests and some other guest stars like kane brown and you're doing uh, beer bombs, a type of beer pong, and like air gun 
size cornhole. It's, it's I mean, it's like a game show, or we're just drinking and we're partying. just drinking and playing games, and <clears throat> okay. they're ridiculous games. All right. And as I talked about it with Steve, I think it's just you know three NBC employees got an extra check for Christmas. I mean. It's stupid. I mean, it's obvious the people it's on that are. It's on NBC? no, it's on USA. Oh, USA. But USA is owned by NBC. Yeah. And it's it's. I mean, NBC is a trip because they'll take uh, Fallon, right, and throw him on some game show called The Password. So he does. He tapes the late night show, and or then he walk, does a Jimmy Jams or whatever and, he was doing. And then he walks over to the other studio and tapes Password and then walks over to the other st- and does Name That Tune. I right. mean, what a joke. I anyway, mean, it's it's on USA. It's coming on every week. I mean, Did if you have wait? nothing else to do in your life, you can watch it, but it's a pass for me. I'm, as long as they do axe throwing and somebody gets hit, I'll watch <laughs> it's it. It's obviously all the Nashville... Um, tourists are standing around watching them do it and being highly entertained anybody i on the other be, hand was not so anybody can be on tv right now anybody we might be on the tube we we could get a channel <laughs> it could happen all right cocktail of the week it's that time it's the americano now this this drink showed up in casino royale Ordered by James Bond. You're giving history. This is my history lesson. This drink showed up in Casino Royale, which was actually a book written by Ian Fleming, correct? Ian Fleming, correct. Okay, so James, if James Bond the creator of the Vesper drink. Hey, James likes it, so do we. Okay, this one's very simple. We love simple on two old guys on the yes, back porch. Especially you when you three sheets simpler than us. All right, in a highball glass filled with ice, a shot of Campari, a shot of sweet vermouth, and then top it with a splash of soda water. Stir gently. Now, usually I don't care about the garnish, but with the Americano, I would go ahead and drop like a little slice of orange in it. Just okay. a little twisty thing. A I would twisty do that. Because you don't have a lot going on anyway. Hey, this drink... It's just a refreshing cocktail with very low alcohol content, correct? Campari is an Italian liquor. It's not that strong. Sweet vermouth, not that strong. I'm actually drinking that right now in my Manhattan. I mean, I like the combination, you know, especially with a little class, a little splash of club soda. Cut down on the sweetness, right? A little bit. Look, I'm not a day drinker. But I could do this one. This could be you a could day do this drink. One. So the Americano, give it a try this week. I can't believe this band hadn't been on here before. Big fan of Band of the Week, Tool. That's T-O-O-L. Formed in 1990 from L.A., California, Maynard, Adam, Danny, and Justin. How to describe Tool? That is tricky. Tool is different. And that's why they have so many fans all over the world, including me. I remember, and if you're a Tool fan, you remember, the video for Sober. This was their first 
thing like right out the gate. It was just mesmerizing, the visual, the music. Maynard Keenan, the singer, he's a freak, okay? His lyrics, his delivery, very powerful. Danny Carey, the drummer, I don't care what anybody, he's one of the best drummers ever. I think that's going to happen down the road. He's going to be up there. I'm not calling him Neil Perk, but this guy is, is very, very good on the skins. And here's the thing about Tool. You don't just pick songs off of each Tool album and listen to them alone. You listen to the whole album, which today artists, they don't even do that anymore. There's nobody, they're just putting out one or two songs, right, Kat? Right. And it pops up on MTV it's or on skim. YouTube, and then it's gone. Zone. It's the cream skimmed off, and the rest is just 2%. And, and the other awesome thing about Tool is they have always done what they want, when they want. Nobody has ever told them shit. They have not, no record company has ever told them to bend over and kiss the ring. They've never done it. They don't just, you know, put out an album, tour, tour the shit out of it. They go right back in the studio and then back on tour. Tool let years You'll think they're done. <laughs> they don't. There's, there's nothing coming out on Instabook, Facegram, none of that shit. They don't. They don't do. They don't tell you nothing. You think they're gonzo, and then they'll put out something new and hit the road, and their fans are still there. That's how badass they are. I, I saw a tool like 20 years ago. I couldn't believe, I'm, I was standing right in front of, I couldn't believe four guys stood on stage and reproduced the music that I was listening to on their albums. I mean, some bands have it, and some don't, and Tool, they have it all. So you check out Tool wherever you get your music. We want to thank everybody for listening. We want to thank Tool for just being awesome, and we will see you all down the road. See ya. You must have been